It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Stephen Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight with Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, yes. I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, hey, Dan, Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. Well, well, well. Uh, I hope you're having a nice weekend. Uh, I suspect many of you will have an extended weekend uh, due to the holiday tomorrow. So happy fourth to you. I hope you're having a nice, a nice. Um, look, we got a lot to do tonight, and I think I want to start with the big news this week. And and you know my love for college football. You know my love for college basketball, and I am a Big Ten guy through and through. Um, and so when the when the news broke. What was it? Midweek. Thursday. That. USC and UCLA were going to become members of the Big Ten. It was a surprise. And and this was really done covertly. Like this was done. Uh, everybody kept this close to the vest. USC, UCLA. Kevin Warren with the Big Ten. Everybody kept this thing hush hush. And I think what we are seeing is a tectonic shift in college athletics. What does that mean? Well, this really is the Big Ten's answer to Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC. Now, look, the SEC still has a ton of firepower. The SEC is still the football conference in this country. However, the Big Ten is in a much better situation to provide balance. They're able to play really good football, and they're able to produce some really good basketball teams too, some really good basketball players too. So when you look at the two marquee sports in college athletics, college football and college basketball, this this is a big move. And USC, on the hardwood, has been really a a nice program over the last five, six, seven years. And we obviously know the the history of UCLA. So what does this mean? What can you expect now from this? So you're looking at 14 teams in the Big Ten. This will add two more, bring you to 16. All right? So, if you're a football fan, if you're a Spartan or a Wolverine, and you're thinking to yourself, well, geez, uh, I'm not really in the mood for an 11 o'clock kickoff on a Saturday night. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Because really, we haven't heard much about how they're going to handle this. We haven't heard what it's going to be like when Michigan goes to UCLA for an 8 o'clock you know, kickoff from the Coliseum. 11 o'clock our time. We don't know how that's going to work out. The, the nuts and bolts of it, we don't know. But here's, here's the, the, the thing that you can expect 
the, the conference just got better. They just got better. And yes, look, I, I was somebody who was banging the drum to get Oklahoma, to get Texas to the Big Ten for a while, well before they joined the SEC. Because I thought from a geographical standpoint, it made sense. You bring in Nebraska, and it felt like that was kind of the next the next iteration of the Big Ten. And instead, they hop to the SEC. Who blames them? So now the Big Ten has to had to go out and do something different. And they brought in USC and UCLA. Now, I I I think from a from a geographical standpoint, from a footprint standpoint, it doesn't matter anymore. None of this matters. You know, I had, I had a, a buddy of mine talk to me about. I mean, you're talking about LA, Hollywood, like like these teams are so far away from what Big Ten football or or basketball is like they're not even in the same world and it's true it's true uh you know la is a lot different than than state college la is a lot different than madison la is a lot different than champaign so yes it is different but I, I I think that the, the conference got better, and I don't think that they're going to stop here. And I think what you can read in the tea leaves from this is that the footprint doesn't matter because you're really going to – you we're, we're headed on a, on a track, on a collision course, with two super conferences. It'll be the Big Ten, it'll be the SEC, and then whoever doesn't join those conferences are going to be left in the dust. They're going to be the, the, the also-rants. Because what happens in 2024? What happens at the end of next season? At the end of 2023? What happens? Well, the Big Ten media rights deal is up. Hence the move in 2024, and away you go. But but this contract that the Big Ten will sign for their media rights is going to be gigantic. It is going to be enormous. So don't kid yourself. This really, at the end of the day, is about money. Because UCLA and USC are going to make, I mean, boatloads of money by joining the Big Ten. Because the, 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 the value goes up. Everything goes up. And look. I'm not, I have no information on this. This is my educated guess. It feels to me like now that you go, you go get UCLA and USC, why not bring Oregon into the mix? Why not bring Washington into the mix? Because it only makes sense. You want the value to go up even further? You bring them in. And you bring them in before 2024. So look, are those conversations being had behind closed doors? I would guess yes. I mean, there were obviously discussions going on with USD and UCLA. But this is a seismic shift in college football, in college athletics, really football. And you know what? And I'll tell you what, we're going to talk about this a little bit more as we go. We're going to talk Pistons next. But there are other 
overreaching aspects to this that I don't know that people have really thought about. What does this mean for the Easterns, for the Westerns, for the Centrals, for those MAC teams? What does it mean for teams like, you know, Boston College or any of those ACC teams? Because I got to I gotta tell you, the ACC is in trouble. The Big 12, the Pac-12, they're borderline, uh, you know, flatlined. So there are a lot of other implications, especially for those smaller sports that I want to talk about a little later. But next, I want to talk about the Pistons because, look, they had a big draft. I wasn't with you last weekend. So I want to talk a little bit about the draft and where this team is going. Because they've been shrewd in the way they've operated. And now you get an opportunity to see some of these guys on the court. So we'll talk about that next with James Edwards of The Athletic as Sports Wrap continues right here on WJR. Don't go anywhere. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. Uh, well, look, I, I didn't get an opportunity to talk with you about the Pitts Pistons draft last week because I wasn't here. Um... But let's just say, feels really good to have a general manager who's got his stuff together, doesn't it? It it, it feels a lot like what's going on in Allen Park with Brad Holmes. It just feels good to have an adult in the room making decisions that it feels like sometimes that the Pistons are playing chess when other teams are playing checkers. It just, it, it feels like They've got a plan, and they are following it. And you got to give them credit. But that draft, I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. You go out and get a guy like Jay Nivey, falls to you at five, it's a gift. I, I don't I don't know what, I look, I, I don't know what Sacramento, what's in the water down in Sacramento. I just don't get it. And then you trade up, you go get Jay Nivey, or, or excuse me, Jalen Duran, and it just seems like this team, they know what they're doing. And it feels really good. And it feels really good because it it feels like we are really getting back to a place where Pistons basketball is going to be relevant again. And look, Summer League is starting up here. And yes, you've got you've got a whole host of guys that are going to be in the mix. Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart. I don't know how much time they're going to get in the Summer League in, in terms of minutes. But I would expect to see Killian Hayes, Saban Lee, Livers, and certainly a, a couple of these new guys um, as well. James Edwards is with the Athletic. He's on the Pistons beat. Joins us uh, this evening on Sports Rap. One of my new favorite Pistons beat writers, by the way, uh, was was checking him out during uh, the draft. And James, I got to say, you were you were a fun follow. So I appreciate that. Um, but but I guess where are you at with this team going into the summer league in Vegas? Um, how much playing time are you expecting some of these poor guys to, to have together? Um, I mean, in a game setting, I don't think very much. I think the whole point of having them on the summer league roster was to have them practice together in Vegas, which I think they have to do in order for those guys to practice. I think they have to be on the roster. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty much the the big reasoning behind that um i would be surprised if Cade played a single game um if he played 
one game, I guess I wouldn't be too shocked, but I don't think he's going to play more than one. I don't think Sadiq plays more than one. Um, Isaiah's never done summer league. His rookie year, there was pandemic. Um, then he mm-hmm. hurt his ankle. So I wouldn't be surprised if he plays a couple. I wouldn't expect him to play all of them. Uh, Killian, I would expect to play the most. Livers, of course, Saban Lee. Um, but the the big thing for Detroit is to have all those guys there and able to practice together and start building chemistry. What does some extra minutes uh, in the summer league mean for a guy like Killian Hayes? Because – it, it, there, there are times when you look at Killian and look, he's a really young guy in this league. So it, it, it feels, it feels bad, almost giving up on the guy. But it, at the same time, this, this team, this organization is really trying to push their way forward and they're, and they're trying to find guys. And so it feels like Killian is, is kind of at a point, at least at, at this point in the calendar where we need to see something from him. We need to see a little more consistency and then, transversely how does that make its way into the season I, I i imagine this is probably a pretty big off season for a guy like killian hayes yeah for sure i think um as important as summer league is for killian individually to show that he can dominate against uh competition that hasn't really had the seasoning that he's had in the nba i think that's important but i think first and foremost it's important for the pistons organization to see what strides killian has made if he can't kind of step outside of the the um not step outside but if he can't shine in that type of setting or mm-hmm. um if he can't impress uh, they have a lot of guards um i i'd be curious to see w- what exactly the future holds for him but um i definitely think that they're not going to just take summer league as oh this is this is summer league we'll, we'll see what he looks like in the fall I, I think they could look at summer league and if he if he struggles there um, they could ask themselves some questions. Post draft, uh, when free agency opened up, the Pistons weren't really involved. Uh, you know, they 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 re-signed Marvin Bagley to a to a three-year deal. I think just shy of forty million bucks uh, after he was traded from the Kings as well. And um, he's a guy that I think provides some length. He's got a huge wingspan. He's a big at what like six eleven, almost seven foot, and yeah. and. He, he's a guy that gives you some range inside. What, what do you think a full season of Marvin Bagley will be able to, to contribute to this team? Yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're banking on upside still. He's still very young, um, clearly talented. He was the number two pick, dominated at, at Duke, one of the best, if not the best, college basketball programs of, of our lifetime. And um, he can score. I mean, he's averaging pretty much 17 and 10 for his career, uh, can put the ball in the basket, around the basket. I think his shot will get better. I don't think he'll ever be like a knockdown shooter, but I think there's stuff there to, to be at least an adequate one. Uh, but he's got to make strides defensively to be kind of the player that Detroit hopes in terms of making this investment. He's got offensive stuff. Uh, it's just defensively, is he going to be able to – can you play him in, in close games down the stretch? Right now, I'm not sure that's the case. There was a lot of smoke around DeAndre Ayton coming to to Detroit, and it sounded like uh, from his camp that he was willing and excited to make his way here, and it, it seemed like that was almost a foregone conclusion that Ayton was, was going to be um, a piston. It, did that change when when the Jalen Duran pick came to fruition and then the re-sign Marvin Bagley. I don't, they're not quite the same player, but in terms of the position, um, how how close, I guess, from, from your perspective, 
was DeAndre Ayton uh, to becoming a Piston, and and why did why did this kind of philosophy change on on maybe some of the free agent moves going forward? Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of people read into the DeAndre Ayton thing a little too hard. Um, I think if I'm not mistaken, his quote was, "I would like to play. I would love to, or I'd be a good match with Cade Cunningham." It sounded like to me somebody yep. asked him. It sounded like to me somebody asked him could you play with Cade Cunningham? Uh, I think he answered the question. I think if you asked him about 10, I think if he was asked about 10 or 11 other guys, he'd have the same answer. It just seemed like to me <laughs> he was asked <laughs> specifically enough. about Cade. And then that, that, yeah. uh, that quote was chopped out and people ran with it. Um, Detroit gave itself options this off season by trading grant for, for essentially cap space and a draft pick. Uh, they wanted that to have flexibility to do particular roster moves, whether, it was plan A, plan B, plan C. Um, I never got the sense that they were – I know they probably did their, they did their due diligence on DeAndre. I've never felt that it was, like, close to getting done. Um, okay. It felt like to me that they're going to – well, I mean, it's shown they're going to continue to build through the draft. They were able to get Durin. Um, their timeline is a little bit uh, behind adding somebody like Aiton. Um, mm-hmm. and I also think that he just, the money he's going to likely command isn't, doesn't make much sense for Detroit right now. So I was pretty bullish on this team last year, especially after the Cade pick. And I think the, 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 the Cade pick, we knew that was going to happen. Um, and I thought the, the, the way that that young roster was able to play last season without Cade, or I guess two seasons ago now, um, without Cade, and they got better, but they still lost, and they put themselves in position to get better in the draft. Um, and I think that was really uh, just the way that they handled that year was was magnificent because they got those guys better. And I I hint- anticipated those guys taking a step forward. They didn't take quite as big of a step as I thought last year, and a lot of it was due to injuries and COVID protocols and not being able to to mesh with the starting five that they had envisioned preseason. Um, throughout the year. So it it just never really materialized. But where are you at on this team going forward? I'm pretty bullish again, especially after this draft, but but are we still a couple of years away from maybe seeing uh, this organization being able to be kind of a year in and year out player in the postseason? I think we're a year away, two years away. I don't anticipate this team making the playoffs this year or even the play in. I think play in is best case scenario. Um, this, this is a young team that got even younger. Uh, they had the youngest player in the draft in Jalen Duran, Jaden Ivey's 19, Isaiah Stewart's only 20, K 21 or 20, um, Killian, I think 2021, 20, Sadiq 22. Uh, they, they, you go down the list, they got a lot of guys 23 and under, and it's just the nature of professional basketball. Young teams don't really win. Um, until a few years in, you look at the Warriors under Steph. They didn't have a winning record until Steph's fourth year. Uh, right. The Bucks didn't have a winning record, or I think, until Giannis's third or fourth year. The Suns, we know about their history. They they took forever to during the Devin Booker years to get to get going. Mm-hmm. Um, the Celtics went through several weird phases trying to acquire veterans like Kyrie and Kemba to pair with their young guys, and it didn't work until they let the young guys kind of lead the ship. So. This stuff takes time. Detroit's very young. Uh, young teams make mistakes late in basketball games, as we've seen over the last two years. And it's hard. It's very hard to be a young guard in the NBA. And the Pistons might have mm-hmm. the youngest backcourt in the NBA. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, 
yeah, I think it's going to be learning curves. But I think if, if you're a fan, I think the expectation should be, is this team fighting every night? and Is this team uh, giving me something to hope for going forward? Yeah, good stuff. James Edwards uh, over at The Athletic. Appreciate the time and the insight. I look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yep, you got it. Uh, all right, coming up next on Sports Round, I want to continue this, this seismic shift in college athletics as it pertains to USC, UCLA coming to the Big Ten. We'll do that next here on Sports Wrap. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. You know, by the way, did you ever go to a game? Like, particularly, it always felt like a college football game. And you see people wearing, like, the the portable headphones, like the, the portable radio headphones, um, and they're listening to the call. Like, I remember going to a game when I was a kid, and um, Frank, obviously, was doing play-by-play, and there were a ton of people that had the portable radio headphones so they could hear Frank's call of the game as they were watching from the States. I never really understood that. And look, believe me, I, I love listening to games on the radio. And I think we have had and do have some really, really good play-by-play people in this town. Um, But I always thought it was weird going to a game and then listening to the play-by-play because there are two different ways to watch a game. Like there's, you go to a game and you're there, you're amongst the people, you're in the energy. And then there are people that are at home watching the play-by or, or, or watching the the TV broadcast at home, which is also great. But Peacock uh, streamed today's um, Tigers Royals game. And, uh, by the way, Tigers lose seven to four. And there were no announcers. None. There were no, there was no commentary. I I think I did see somewhere that said there were two sideline reporters that chimed in. But besides that, it was, there was no, there was no play by play of what was happening. And look, I don't have much of a position on this because I see both ways. Like I see if you're, if you're sitting there watching the game and you're going, where is the information? Where is the stats? Where's the, the camaraderie? Like whether there's, there's nothing, it's just nothing. I can understand why you would expect to have that part of the game. I get it. Totally. I also understand people who thought it was pretty cool because it's like you're there, but I'll say this. If I'm watching a game at home, I want the commentary personally. If I'm going to the game, I want the game. I want that vibe. So it just, it it was, it was strange. We'll see if they do more of this. I, I don't know that they have anything else planned. Um, I, I haven't seen any other announcements that they were going to do this. Um, but people loved it. People liked it. Um, people are like, it's white noise. Instant calm. 
I, I love this. I can vibe with it. Pretty soothing. And then other people are like, no, thank you. This is ridiculous. So I don't know. I get it. I, 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 to me, it's either you hate it or you love it. Like there's really no in between. But if I'm going to a game, I don't want to listen to play-by-play. I want to be there. And if I'm home, I want the play-by-play. I want the information. So it, I, I get it. Um, We were talking about th- the situation with the Big Ten and the USC and UCLA uh, uh, acquisition and the merger. And look, I, while I think they're really the ramifications of these two teams coming in, and um, in it just in terms of football and basketball, like the big stuff, this is we're going to two super leagues. That's what we're going to. And and I guess you got to be okay with it because that's the world in which we live. But what does this mean for not only the other teams that won't be absorbed? into these two I haven't totally killed off the ACC yet um I just don't know who they're going to acquire to make it worth their while like it's really Clemson and everybody else in the ACC like every once in a while Florida State pops up every once in a while Miami has a nice game <laughs> I don't need, like they don't they're not even like they don't put good seasons together anymore so they the brands are there they've got three brands that's it that's it. Otherwise, there's nobody else over there. Bob, sorry, Boston College ain't moving the needle. Georgia Tech ain't moving the needle. So I, while I haven't killed off the ACC yet, I don't know what they're going to do. So let's just operate under the assumption that there are two super conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten. So what does that mean for smaller sports? And what does that mean for other mostly smaller schools. I, I I don't know the answer to this, but it feels like if you're, I don't know, uh, Oregon state, right? You're a D one PAC 12 football program, but nobody wants you. Nobody. You, you you don't perform in football. Your basketball team stinks. Like, I don't know what you're. I don't know what you do. I don't know what what what. I don't know what you're what you're in for. Because unless Oregon says to maybe Kevin Warren in the Big Ten, if you want us to come aboard, you got to bring them with us because they are a natural rival. They're in our backyard. We we can't just leave them behind. So unless Oregon goes to bat for the Beavers, I just don't see it. I, I don't. I don't know what a team like that does, uh, and a school and a and an athletic department does in that case. Because if you're not a part of one of these large, you know, powerful conferences, then you're really looking at a situation where your football teams aren't going to be able to fund your athletic departments like most of them do now. Your basketball teams aren't going to be able to fund your conferences like or your your athletic department like they do now. 
Are you going to be able to offer as many scholarships to swimmers or golfers? You know, there are some really, some really, I think, worrisome implications to this. So we'll see how it goes. I, I, I don't have those answers. And, and look, we'll talk to the guys at Detroit Golf Cup. Spin on golf coming your way at 7.05 next year on WJR. We'll, we'll talk to them about this, too, because I would imagine they've got some thoughts. But I, I don't know what this means for smaller schools. I don't know what it means for a conference like the MAC, who, by the way, like the MAC puts out some pretty good football. No, they're not going to win a national championship. But what happens to a MAC? What happens to a Miami of Ohio or a Western or a Central or an Eastern? Like, are we in a, in a position where we see these two conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten, basically just, I don't know, turn their backs on the, on the, on the NCAA and just operate by themselves? Possibly. You know, th- there are a lot of unanswered questions here, but as these, as these conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten, gain more power by adding more brands, by adding bigger schools, well, the revenues go up, the TV, the TV rights go up, everything goes up. And that's why, again, it's a money thing. It's why USC, UCLA make their way to the Big Ten. It's a money thing. But at the end of the day, what happens to these smaller schools? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I assume that over the next six, seven years, we're going to really find out because this thing is really escalating and it's escalating quickly. Um, if you want to weigh in 800-859-0957, in the meantime, we'll take a quick break coming up. Uh, we'll talk to our friends out at Detroit golf club. Um, and, and uh, look, lots of, I don't, is there anything to talk about in golf? I don't, I'm not sure. Um, Justin Thomas had some really interesting things to say on the no laying up podcast. I'll tell the fellows that because I, I gotta be honest. I agree with him completely. And it's a lot about live and they talked a lot about that league. And and look, it's 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 the it's the phoniness, the messaging that the, a lot of these players are being given. We'll, we'll talk about it next with the folks down at Detroit Golf Club. Sports Wrap continues right here on WJR. What's for dinner? Burgers? After last week, no thanks. Avoiding foods due to fear of diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or loose oily stools. It may not be just stomach issues. It could be EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency. EPI can cause uncomfortable symptoms because it's a condition where the pancreas doesn't release enough digestive enzymes to break down food. But EPI can be managed. Use the symptom checker on identifyepi.com and talk to your doctor about your symptoms. That's identifyepi.com. Sponsored by Abby. Giving it your all on the court? Make sure you have the right partner by your side. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. Here's a reel for you. What do all these terrible golfers have in common? Phil Nicholson, Ian Poulter, 
Charles Schwartzel, Graham McDowell, Pat Perez, Duplessis, uh, Sergio Garcia, and Chase Kepka. I guess we could throw Chase Kepka in there. What do all those guys have in common? James Pyatt beat him. Mm-hmm. How about that? Loved seeing been it. Playing some pretty good golf too, by the way. He absolutely has. Uh, BC, you saw it up close and personal out in Boston a few weeks back. Uh, he is he is really playing some good golf. Starting to catch his stride. He's happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I talked to him a little bit this week, and he was. You know what? He opened. He, he's opened up a little bit more, and uh, yeah, he seems to be finding his swerve. And I talked to his. Texas caddy last night, Danny Ellis, and um, Danny said, man, he really, really played good yesterday. And he didn't play so good the day before, but um, he hung on. So what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the difference? What, what's his, what's he doing to, to kind of stay dialed in like that? Well, you know, could I divulge and, 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 and some in a time too, BC, In a time when, when this league is, look, there's a ton of attention on it, right? It's, it can be, that can be difficult to manage all of that. Um, but he's doing a nice job. I think I think he's he's treating it the right way. He takes everything um, kind of as a joke, you know. Yeah. He said he's severely or he's he's really entertained by all the uh, the tweets or whatever. Ticked. I don't know what these social media things <laughs> yeah. say, but but he said he's highly entertained and he's got a great attitude about. It. He just laughs about it. He's like, you know what? I'm I'm very comfortable doing what I'm doing, and he's just doing. You know, his his, his physical regimentation has been a lot more aggressive. Yeah. And you know, if that does anything to you right here, I think sure. that's more than anything else. And I think he's starting to realize that Mikey, which is really important. Yes, I mean, if is. you're not physically fit, you're no. not, you're not playing golf no. and he's really comfortable with what he's doing. Um, I think he found this, this week, he got comfortable with his training and uh, he, I look, I'm, I'm telling you, I told everybody that I think he might win one of these. That'd be great. You know, I really, I really think he's going to compete for one of these. He's going to get comfortable. He's he's starting to shoot under par and um, look out going forward. Yeah, I agree. BC Mike Fay um, and Sean Belegian out at Detroit Golf Club. You know, um, this this other league, it's it's a it's it's obviously different from what we've been used to and accustomed to on the PGA Tour. Um, and I think that. Um, what what Justin Thomas said, I said this a couple of weeks ago. For if you're not James Pyatt, right? Like you're just graduating Michigan State, you're trying to make a career in golf, right? Like you're trying to become a professional. So you're gonna do whatever you can to A, make some dough, but then B really gain some some meaningful experience on a course with a lot of pros. And and this is a, a great uh, platform for him to do that. But a lot of these other guys and, and, you know, <laughs> Phil Mickelson is the probably, probably the ringleader in all of this, where we're going to transcend golf and all the great things that we can do. Um, you know, f- f- Justin Thomas said on the no laying up podcast, like if these guys just said it was about money, like if they just said, I want money and that's what I want to do, then great. Like go make money. And, and I think that that's kind of been at least starting from a lot of these other now PGA players. That's kind of been the messaging. I tell you what, those guys are hypocrites. I will scream that till the day I die. They are hypocrites. They're on payroll somewhere else and they're screaming. And the same thing's going to happen on the PGA tour that's going on right now in the LIV. The same 
50 guys are going to make all their millions of dollars. So they are being so hypocritical, him and Rory. I mean, they could yeah. stick a sock in it as far as I'm concerned. Okay, well, fair I'd like to say something else, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the meantime, um, uh, geez, we are what we're, we're, we're just right around the corner here from, from that uh, nice little tournament down at TGC four weeks away. I yeah. can't believe it. It's yeah. really unbelievable. Um, where are we? Uh, uh, we've had some, some big time commitments now the last uh, couple of days, but this is going to shape up to be another nice tournament. Yeah, it is. Chris, I was out here on Monday, as you know, for the, the media day and you know, the buzz, and everything golf-related is great, and that's what we talk about here. But I, I really don't think enough is talked about how they give back. And I remember the first year doing a show with these fellas, and I, I, to a man, they all say nobody gives like the PGA. No. And uh, this tournament is is the personification of that. It, it really yeah. is. I mean, you know, I know bridging the digital divide is one of those things. And, and just in the last couple of years, Chris, it's gone from 42% in Detroit to 67 and a half percent. It's, it's almost mind blowing that, that we're even talking about this division of technology. Yep. I mean, it's one yeah. thing, you know, what we have. It's 2022. Huge, yep. It's 2022. And we got this problem with racism and everybody getting along and everybody fighting, but we, we can't even get people online to know what's going on. It, it's unbelievable. I, mean, I didn't know about it until. No idea. Three years ago. No, I no idea. Clue. No idea. And, you know, Chris, it, it so with all those good things being said, then we can get back to the tournament itself. Every yeah. week there's more and more here. I mean, like when Mike Faye and I pulled up today, I was like, oh, that wasn't there on Monday, and that wasn't there on Monday. I know BC golfed <laughs> out there today. Course looks beautiful. Oh, looks man, absolutely beautiful. It's a little different this week than it was last week. Greens are tight, and they were fast today. Things are fast and firm out here, and the rough is green mm. that's all i gotta say mm. it, yeah the golf course looks absolutely awesome well and, and look you're gonna have some guys out there that are, that are gonna try to rip it up obviously patrick Cantlay, uh the number six golfer in the world is is kind of leading the pack but tony finau ricky fowler of course will be there he's a he's a uh, ambassador for rocket mortgage will zalatoris for in my mind one of the most exciting young golfers in this game and and he's gonna uh, he's going to win a couple of these things coming up pretty quick. It feels like uh, Kevin Kisner is going to be in this thing. Justin Rose, Cam Davis, a, a lot of guys um, are going to be in the mix here too. So th and these are just the, a couple of the guys that have committed already. Um, in the meantime, I don't know if you heard uh, a little bit of my discussion about USC and UCLA making their way to the big 10. And, and we are in a, in my mind, in a position where we're going to be in a, in a place where you're going to have the sec right. and the big 10 and everybody else. And, Football and basketball, the the kind of the the big time sports, they'll be fine. Not, nothing will they won't they won't be phased by this. But I wonder what's going to happen to a lot of these smaller schools with uh, in the smaller sports like swimming or golf or whatever it is. Are they going to be able to handle? Like you know, if you're a if you're a golfer at I don't know, pick a school at Western. If you're a golfer at Western, are they gonna are they gonna be able to offer you scholarships like they had in the past, or or you know are you gonna are, are things gonna be cut back? What do you see from from maybe we can talk golf specifically, but 
What do you see from a merger like this and, and the way that things are shaping up? How does this leave other schools in some of these smaller sports? Is this just a reaction to the SEC? I mean, the ACC, we have got, we, not me, um, basketball and golf, right? Are they as competitive yes. in football as the other two? Sure. Uh, no. Nobody's as competitive in as the SEC. That's just, right. Let's just call a spade a spade here. You know, that's the way it is. But is this just a reaction to the SEC just dominating? Could be. I mean, basically, but, but like you said, is every other sport going to suffer in the process? Well, that's the, Chris, the thing that I think about is the non-traditional sports. Like, yeah. I, mean, I mean, honestly, I, just pick one. Can you, a, a mid-February matchup between Rutgers and USC. Yeah. And pick a sport. Sure. Well, that's not. You, what, what is that? Yeah, what's that? It's not right. I no. mean, it, that much money to travel one place or the other. Now, I know that they're working on things to alleviate that and, you know, maybe find some kind of a thing. But this is just a subtle reminder, no matter how much the NCAA use this line, it's all about the student athlete. It is far from being all about the student mm-hmm. athlete. This is about the almighty dollar. And yeah. I don't think they're hiding it anymore. And and I, for one, I'm glad that they aren't hiding it anymore. No, I agree. I, I agree. And and again, I, I worry about some of these other power, you know, five schools that are going to be left in the, in the lurch and, and what that means for not only future student athletes, but a lot of those athletes that are on board now that are on, you know, scholarship. Now, I just don't know what's going to happen. What do you guys get coming up tonight? Yeah, are we doing anything different than the LIV is doing? I yeah. mean, is the NCA doing yeah. anything different? Right. It's about, hey, the highest bidder, I'm going there. They're going to pay oh, me. Jeez, this guy, BC, he's tuned up tonight. Uh, lots lots oh. to talk about. We'll, we'll be talking about oh, the tournament boy. a few weeks from now, you know, talking about what happened today, looking ahead to next week. Uh, special guest on the show as well, so don't go anywhere. Spin on golf next. All right. Spin on golf, 705 right here on WJR. Fellas, have a nice show and a nice fourth. Uh, nice to see you. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight. Catch you next weekend right here on WJR on Sports Wrap 627. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful week.